See you next week. Good evening, Nate. How are we? <laughs> Good. One at a time, it's all right. Um, let's jump straight into it. Positives and negatives. Uh, two thumbs up, two thumbs down. Go for it. Philly, Quiv, and Schmutt, if you feel like. But right, I'll go yeah. first because you said my name first. So I've my th- one first thumbs up. I know you spoke about it last week, but I went to the uh, Werribee game on last Friday night at the MCG, and I'm going to give a thumbs up to our two emerging midfielders, Ryan Clark and Declan Mountford. They were exceptional, and it's bloody exciting to see how they run with the ball, how they run to get into position, and the way that they move, the way that they use the ball. They're going to be that freaking good, guys. Let's get excited. The other thumbs up is for the North Melbourne Football Club Kids Clinic that they did a couple of days ago. It was really well organised. There were a shitload of kids there. The players generally we're in good form and that leads me to my one thumbs down which i wrote about in the kids clinic thread sam gibson just uh, didn't want it. Can i just hold it there i just want to get through the rest of this and then i want to come back to that because that's okay. going to take the best part of five minutes because i want to give you some really good times so don't feel like you're rushing through it sure. what have you got for us on uh Posnigs or uh, no negatives because I'm a positive guy. Uh, first positive is Luke McDonald signing up during the week for another two years, which is good. Uh, big fan of his. Hopefully you can find the form that we all think he's capable of. And I guess on field, uh, Jared Waite just continuing his form and hopefully continuing it into the next week since I picked him in my super coach team. So a nice haul from him would be nice. Cool. Have you got anything for us positive or negative um, around the club, around the team, inclusions, um, I don't know if you've had an AGM or something like that. Have you got anything for us from your end? Well, there's not much on the positive front, as you can imagine, after the events on Saturday, but um, I'm just praying that we play better this week. I think we will. So, looking forward to the game. I'll be at work, so I'll be watching the replay if we win, obviously, otherwise I'll be throwing my phone around when I look at the scores. So, none. Not so much in the positives. The negatives are pretty obvious. We're still very much Melbourne, so that bodes well for North. Yeah, I was hoping that you guys would win, but, um, I mean, you guys, I think, what normally have the Woodo rest and what, around May? Uh, The the last seven times we've played them, the underdog has won six. (sighs) And I I, I feel akin with North supporters because you guys hate Essendon as much as I do. Yeah, do you have any other hated teams? Well, no, we'll, get, we'll get into that later. Oh, the bath, um, the bath water drinkers. Uh. There's particular clubs that have yeah. that in space and Bulldogs, Adelaide, Port Adelaide, whatever. I just, I just, a bit of a disclaimer there. I hate the Bulldogs. Number one. <laughs> no, I, I, I live in sunshine. They're everywhere. Really? I don't think I've ever seen a Bulldog supporter. Oh no, they're everywhere. Oh, they exist somewhere. <laughs> Um, this mine, Philly Roo, yeah, as I said in, all, in my podcast last week, or in, sorry, our podcast, uh, massive congrats to you. That was one of my thumbs up. And 
giant roots, all the things. Um, a massive thumbs down to Kangaroos River for doubting my inside info last week on what I said in the podcast, and he won't admit it. He won't say sorry, and sort of quote Philly, I'm still waiting. Not <laughs> So massive fuck you. Um, and I know he can't do anything at the moment, so he's production. Now, Philly, do you, want to, do you feel like going back to the story about your pseudo-negative yeah. with Bruno, you know, Mr. Gibson? I will, but just before I do that, there, there was quite a funny moment at the uh, at the clinic. There was a question and answer ses- session, and in the there was four players sitting down, four, five. So there was Goldie, Jack Zebel, Sean Higgins... Boomer and one other, I'm not sure who. And when the kids were about to run off to their next section, they Boomer said to 27 seven-year-old kids, at the next hat you'll see Daniel Wells. What makes Daniel Wells really happy is when you all run at him, tackle him and throw him on the ground. <laughs> so 27 kids ran at Daniel Wells and actually put him on the ground and all jumped on top. So I was really concerned that an injury would take place to Wells. <laughs> I know that there are new little kids, but all of them jumping on top of it. it was it was funny. But he's only made a glass. And, and Boomer lost his shit laughing. He thought it was the best thing he'd ever done. But <laughs> maybe Daniel Wells isn't the best target for that sort of behaviour. But anyway, so, yeah, the, the story about Gibbo, for anyone that hasn't read it, is that he's really aloof. All the other players really engaged the kids, especially everyone's best friend, J-Mac. But Gibbo stood off to the side, didn't even acknowledge the kids when they came over. And they were playing some stupid poison ball game. And all the other players and some parents that were there as well were sort of rolling the balls out, trying to t- you know, touch the kids with the ball so they'd be out. And Gibbo stood off to the side and was cocking the ball like Cam Newton and dead set trying to nail kids. Like he <laughs> threw the ball really, really hard. And three kids that I saw were in tears because they got knocked over. Jesus. And... He didn't – it's not like, you know, if someone did that, they'd run over and make sure the kid was okay. But Gibbo sort of shrugged his shoulders and then would turn around and walk off. I just – it was really odd. I, I didn't – I mean, I thought it was humorous, I guess, but it wasn't – I don't think it was the right behaviour to be you know, throwing around at a, at a kid's clinic when these kids adore all the players and, and we're really, really happy to be there. But um, up to all the rest of the players, they were really good, really, really good. Just Gibbo was a bit off. That's all. Did he even give a shit? Like, was he just nailing people more? He did. What? He like it was phenomenal. Like one of the one of the throws was really good. I mean, it was, it was a little bit in the dirt for anyone that follows the NFL. Donovan McNabb used to put it in the dirt a bit, but it was such a, uh, he, yeah, it was. If it had been my kid that he nailed, I would have been like, "Are you serious, mate?" But he didn't, <laughs> he he didn't get him. But still, I just didn't think that it was it was good, and he didn't care, and he. I don't know. All the other players at the end were signing autographs, and I didn't sign him either. I don't know whether he bailed early or, or what the story was. But um, the weird thing is here: so Gibbo can't fucking nail shit. Okay, according to the North Board, he can't nail shit. This is not my opinion. Can't nail shit on the foot on the football field, but when it comes to kids, he can nail them from anywhere. Only with his arm, though. So obviously he's kicking boots this one. Okay, but I, I want to say something as well. But Gibbo played really well last week and really, really well in round one. And if throwing footballs at kids is what makes him play good football, long may it continue. Because that goal, the goal that he kicked, was it was he outside 50 quid last week, that set shot? Um, or right on the money? Oh, yeah, be close to it, yeah. Mate, if Drew Petrie kicked those goals half the time, we'd win a whole of a lot more games. I don't know. He, Gibbo's okay. Just don't come to the kids' room if you don't want to be there. I think that's the moral to the story. You've heard it here first, ladies and gents. Get your kids down there so Sam Gibson can nail your fucking kids so he can win us the game. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that in a, like a non Rolf Harris way. Can we just get that straight? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, moving on, as Sam Worry would say. VFL, so how did you see that game that you saw at the NCG? I know it was a precursor to the Toothless versus the, um, <laughs> the perennial five place um, Richmond team. How was the VFL down there on the NCG in the afternoon? Mate, it was, it was really good. I mean, I think I, I said it at the time, I think Majak was a little bit disappointing, but apart from that, Durden played well. McKay looked like he had something. Mountford looked good. Wagner looked good. 
Clark looked amazing. But and I read while I was there, I was reading the the, the post by others saying, oh, you know, they should be smashing these guys around their kids. But you know what? They're the most talented kids in the country. Like they're they're going to be all presumably first round draft picks next year. And for the players that we had out there, well, Durden was a, a first round draft pick, and McKay was a first round draft pick. <laughs> In what in what they last year they said was a weak draft, but I mean Clark was a was Clark a third rounder or second rounder? Second, I think. I think was Hibbert it? was third. Wasn't it? I thought Hibbert was second. Clark was third, but you could be right. But but well, Mount, what was Mountford a fourth rounder? Yeah. Well, well Mount, Mountford a fourth round draft pick from last year kicked the shit out of. Oh, what's was it Wagner? Fuck, I don't even know. <laughs> no, I think Wagner was the. I think you're right. I think it. I think we had two thirds or something, didn't we? Anyway, yeah, it doesn't really matter. I think the the point is that all the all these kids that, that are really highly rated for for this upcoming draft and Clark Mountford were clearly, in my mind, the two best players on the ground. And and I think, as as I said that night, if they redid that draft now, I think Clark's a first round draft pick for sure. And Mountford's probably, he probably would have been a second round draft pick. So the value we've got out of those guys moving forward is going to be really exciting. It's And like I read someone wrote today, I don't know who it was, but if once Clark breaks into that team, he's not coming out. He's just, he and everyone keeps saying it, and I totally agree. He, he moves like Ben Cousins. He kicks like Ben Cousins. He's got weird hair like Ben Cousins. He's just going to be a really, really good player. Hopefully he doesn't get on the gear, but he's a he's a beauty. Yeah, I don't know how many times I've said it, but he actually, he's got that receding hairline or whatever you want to call it, but looks like a young Ben Cousins. And it's Does? Said, oh. Yeah, one of my female friends is like, oh yeah, he looks hot. And I'm like, what do you think Ben Cousins? Anyway, um, but he's, he's got that, sort of, what is he, 18, 19, and he looks, Makes him look like he's about, I don't know, 40, 45, maybe, whatever. But um, I, I mean, I sat second level on the wing, and I, because I quite liked him. Yeah, of course. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just his, his smart running to position, like the way he he never stopped running the whole game, but where, where he ran, and the, um, what do you have, 27 possessions, and I reckon he spent 20% of the time on the bench. Like if he had played a full game, he's he could have got 40 possessions. He just – he had one goal, three. He's had four shots at goal, but he was getting kicks deep in defence, deep in attack, all around the joint, getting clearances from the midfield, reading the opposition ruck when, that, when Durden was in the ruck because he wasn't real good in the ruck and McKay had a crack in the ruck and that was hilarious. So I don't think he, I don't think he's a ruckman, McKay. But I, I, Clark's the man. Like, he's, he's going to be a super player. So just to sum it up, and just well, before we move on, you said also before that he will, once he's in, there's no moving out. Uh, there's, there's no way he'll be out unless he's permanently injured or dead. So who does he replace, or can you even just even name two players who he thinks that um, he would replace permanently? Dallas Swallow. Long term or short term? Are we talking permanently? Uh, uh, Dal looks to me like he's uh, aggressive. A little bit. I don't think he his start to the season hasn't been. I mean, he kicked two goals last week. No, look, thank God he did because it was looking a little bit bodgy at the time. But he, uh, when he's got the ball in his hands, he looks good, Dal. Um, but he's not getting it enough, and his defensive running and positioning's never been, you know, that good anyway. I think, I think if Clark came in tomorrow for Dal, we'd be probably a better team. Um, and if Swallow got injured, I think it's a no-brainer that Clark would, would come in. But Swallow's our captain, so he's he'll he'll be picked as long as he's fit for this year at least. Hmm. All right, and just last with the rest of the VFL, just to finish it off before we move on. Um, as I did say last week, uh, off air, and I think even on the podcast that I did say that in this, the VFL, the boys played the second game, and it happened to be against Footscray, uh, Hedwig Noble. Uh, or VU Footscray, or whatever the hell they call these days. And they were, they were absolutely flogged by a long way, and I didn't know that it happened. Uh, they did play some players who were pretty much development league players as well. And, uh, yeah, I said it would happen. He said it wasn't going to happen, so whatever. Pretty much 15-1 here at the moment, like in like hockey schools or not in tennis ways. Um... Yeah, but, I mean, like, we split our team over too. If we put... Madge, 
Clark, Mountford, Wagner, McKay, Durden. Who else? Was there someone else? All those got all those guys at least into that team. Didn't Werribee finish with 16 guys on the field for the last quarter? Yeah, but that was due to rotations and also that I don't think that they would really want to put on someone who was a bit underdone or a little bit hard. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was, a, it, was a, it was a practice match with a third of our a third of the team that will actually be there once the whips yeah. are cracking. and so. up against yeah. a, a pretty, pretty good Footscray VFL side. I mean, they're not going to win the, the VFL Premiership, but um, they'll go close. And, they won it last year, didn't they? Uh, I think so, but they're not going to win it this year. I see they okay. won't. Sandy think they're going to win it. <laughs> they're not going to fucking win it. Um, the other thing I actually forgot to ask, you said in one of your comments, um, you had a million comments last week, um, Magic Door just killed someone on the field on Friday night. Yeah, he... Who, uh, what did he... Did he lay someone out? Yeah, he, well, it was a tackle, and the guy, the guy just kicked it, and Madge sort of followed through with the tackle, and he, he I thought he was dead. He didn't move for a bit. I mean, eventually he got up, but it was just... It was a big... And it's what Madge, I was hoping Madge would have done from the start of the game is really throw his weight around because he probably weighed 20 kilos more than anyone else out there. But um, Speaking of Madge, I'm just looking at North's Facebook and they posted a photo. He has shaved his head. When did he do that? Yeah, he was, he was before the game. He had a nude nut just before the game last week and he, he looks scary. Like He looks like a big penis. <laughs> you mean like shut your eyes, stand straight and you'll look like a, like a man in a condom? Yeah, I know. Like, a big baby penis with two arms, but a penis. Yeah, he's he, he looks, he's a big man. <laughs> he's very big. He. I mean, I hope he, I hope he makes it, match, but um, he's going to battle this one. Yeah, it is going to be an issue, but you never know. Which actually, it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, there's been a lot of discussion in the last well, year, two years. Actually, no, fuck it, five years. When will Harvey and Petra and those retire? People say, oh, you know, Petra is past it. I know this is a little bit impromptu and all that sort of stuff, but who cares? Um, Petrie looks like he could play on Every year people say Oh Spud's gone It's going to be his last year And then all of a sudden He gets a one year contract Or an extension or whatever Harvey similar And people talk about Changing of the guard And handing over the bat And all those sorts of things How many of the old players Do you guys think And Schmuck can butt in here As well as you want um, Do you think Will actually stay on Actually no Do you think any of those guys Will move on At the end of the year Talking about the older brigade, by the way, whether it be Dow, Harvey, Wade, Petrie, um, there's probably a handful of others. Burrito. Yeah, Burrito. Is there any anyone that you think, or do you think they're all going to stay? Because well, you'd, you'd, you'd phase them out as the years go on, wouldn't you? Well, that's what you'd think, but my question is more with the, the idea that everyone on the North Board seems to think that Petrie and Harvey are had it not gone, but then again, when you look at their recent form, they seem to be really good. And I know last year, Petra was awesome, but you, you know, that's not really going to happen, but I don't know, I, I just think Petra can probably play another year or two. But the most likely one to end, to leave this year, sorry, cut you off, is Spud, I'd say. We've said that um, for about three years, though. Yeah, I, agree, yeah. I agree, but there has to be someone stepping up. I mean, hopefully, Nielsen gets on the park, and because, I mean, he's the natural replacement for Spud, I think, isn't he? So if he starts playing good footy in the twos and and it looks like he, he's got, it's going to be a seamless transition, I think that they would retire Spud at the end of the year. But, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at the squad now. Maybe if, if Hanson, get, Hanson won't play this week, he's going to be the out for Thompson. If he doesn't get himself back in that side by the end of the year, I, th- I think he'll be gone. Whether he, What's happening to Lucky Hanson? I well, He's just injuries, confidence, and then not figured out his game. Then. He played. He was, he, he, was a, he was a designated loose man in defence for two years and took a lot of marks. But I don't know. He's one on one. He's not great, and he he just he just looks laconic. I mean, he's. A, I think he's. A, he's a. I, I think at the start of last year, I said he's one of our most important players, and now. I'm positive he's not going to get a game this week. So he's definitely gone backwards, I think. But it's 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 probably to do with injuries and just getting a year older and and his his spots almost become a little bit redundant. The other part of the question is more sort of which I probably should have asked in the beginning is you don't really want to be forcing players out the door when you haven't got a ready made player mm. or a replacement who can step in you know, right now or as of yesterday. So 
are there people ready to go who you can just 100% of your um, just think oh yeah they're going to do it 100% or whatever I just oh, I'm lost in the words it's always too late for me these bloody podcasts um, you know whether it's um, a Nielsen stepping in when he gets over his ACL and his PCL injuries and all that sort of stuff are they ready to go but the thing is you've got to remember um, you really don't want to be forcing Petri out the door or, or a Ferrito out the door or wherever else so that's why I was sort of thinking maybe Petrie could go on another year or two and maybe Jared Waite probably could although um, he has had a couple of good games um, but then again can he hold it through the season that's another thing to sort of ponder over um, but what do you guys think of those those sorts of um, replacements I think there's no question that Boomer goes on and I say there's also no question that Wade goes on. I mean, I think there's some sort of doubt about Petrie. I think he's had a ripping start, but it's a long season. You know, he, he, Petrie's had a pretty good run with injuries the last what, five or six years. He is in the best shape yeah. for a long time, though, so we'll see how it plays out. But, this is I mean, I'm inclined to keep him on. I, I would almost be happy to... I don't know if he's contracted or not, but just give him the one year. Assuming, let's just, for argument's sake, say he was out of contract at the end of the year, I think right now I'd give him one year. But I know people are just going to hear that and go, oh, whatever. You know, I've just sort of, I've gone backwards on what I've just said before about it. it is a long season. Yes, I know, but, well, one of the key forwards is probably going to go at the end of the year. And whether it's Petrie, Wade, or... Surely not Wade. No, That's not Wade. I mean, I think, I think Nicky Dale could be the surprise one. He could be gone by the end of the year. How do you think, okay, on that, on the, this is, okay, a little bit off topic, but Daniel Wells, he's had a lot of time out with injury. He's had all of, what, 30 minutes in one and a half years. Do you think he's going to feel the pain later in the year? Yes, he hasn't really had the pre He hasn't really had um, solid game time and a few other things. Is he going to struggle later through the season? Or even midway. I mean, he's prone to injury, isn't he? But he, he I think I'm he talking had... more in sort of uh, longevity going through the season. As everyone knows, you know, you do get the soreness, you do get the sort of oh shit, I'm really feeling it. And I'm just thinking from from all the injuries that he's had and the lack of preseason that he's had through that time, and even the match fitness, is that going to come back to get him later through the season where he's going to feel the pinch? Could help him too, though, because he's had two years off. Like he, yeah. his body, his body hasn't been battered for two years. So I'm, I don't know. Like, I think Wells is a week by week proposition. As long as he's out there and, and playing well, then long may it continue. But he can, he can. I'm, I'm not going to say it. I was going to say he could break down tomorrow, but I'm not going to yeah. say that out loud. I'm not going to say that. Yeah, I, no, no, no. I think I know where we're going with that. Um, well, we're going to move on to the preview. Just I know it's, it's probably going to be about midnight by the time we finish. I reckon at this rate, even though it's three and a half hours away, and the swimming's on, which I want to go and watch. Um, how did you see the game? We're, we're two and two. I can't believe I'm celebrating two out of two, and we're not even on top of the ladder for some stupid reason. The Bulldogs are on top. Um, who cares? We got the win. We're heading to Melbourne. Sorry, we're heading down to Hobart to play Melbourne. But um, how did you see the game, boys, on the weekend? You go, Quiff. Um, yeah, it was good. Um, I expected the win. I probably expected to be a bigger win, but it doesn't matter. The win's the win. Um, Bloody happy to see Jared Wade, as mentioned earlier, continue up his form. It was a really, really good game by him. bit disappointed with probably Atlee's performance most of all. Got a lot of the ball, but, man, did he torch it. Um, he did whack Hanley, though, so that was a personal highlight. <laughs> yeah, yes, it was. But, I don't know. With, yeah, I don't know. He's, he's an odd case, Atlee, and it's hard to be uh, 50-50 with him. Um, uh, Daniel Wells continued from round one, which is good, with 23 touches. Um, the more we can get the ball into his hands with his classy disposal will be great. I think another letdown for me, is, also mentioned earlier, is Del Santo. He started off pretty poorly. Uh, he did kick some goals, which was good. Another letdown, uh, I'm not Mr. Positive here, apparently. Um, mm. Sean Higgins, uh, he, uh, has he been found out? Uh, is he being looked at more? I don't know what's going on there, but he's definitely not the same Sean Higgins at the moment that we saw last year. Hopefully he can turn it around and get on the end of it a bit. Uh, I guess, Philly, you can go. 
I think with Higgins, though, I think we've got to remember he only had that knee off was four weeks ago. Uh, that's a very good point. I, think, I do forget yeah, about. Yeah, I think he'll be he'll be fine. I mean, it, <clears> he still does pretty classy things, and I mean, he, he turned it over a couple of times last week, which was really unsure Higgins like. But I thought last week Brisbane really tried to turn it into a shit fight. They played ugly football and drew us into playing ugly football as well. And for some reason, neither team could kick the ball through the two big sticks, which was kind of humorous towards the end because, I mean, every time they missed, I was screaming with happiness because they missed so many easy ones, kept us right in it. And thank God for Jared Waite. But I mean, Ben Jacobs was a massive positive. It was Fun to see Daniel Rich sign a five-year contract and then not be able to get near the ball. That was money, yeah. money well spent by Brisbane. Good on him. Um, I thought Garner did some really good things. I think he's had a ripping start to the year, which is sort of contrary to what I thought was going to happen before the season started because I thought his nap cup games were pretty average. Um, like Boomer just keeps on keeping on. I think Goldie probably had his top five worst game for the last couple of years. I didn't think Goldie played that well. Did, did well, Stefan Martin beat him? I think he did. I mean, yeah. I mean, he did. In saying that, he didn't have a huge influence on the game, Martin, either. And I think his bag is doing stuff around the ground. And I don't think he did that much. I mean, he it was probably two Ruckman that didn't have a great day, but probably Martin got the chocolates, but... In the end of the day, he, he didn't have a huge influence on the game either. Um, it was reasonably close. I mean, Goldie won the hitouts by one. Yeah. Uh, but Martin got three Seth more Martin had seven more oh, touches, yeah. but Goldie got a goal. But, yeah, so, I mean, I, I hate Tom Rockliffe, and it was great to see him play a shit game, even though we put no time into him at all. I think that was good. And so I, I saw the votes. Someone, I think, I can't remember who it was, the age, or someone did the votes. And they gave Hamley two votes, and I, I don't get it. But anyway, uh, apart from that, it was a good win. It was uh, We don't play well up there. The conditions were difficult, and a win's a win. We'll, we'll definitely take it. 2 one knows good. Cool. Um, just got some other news going back to VFL. I know I should have mentioned earlier. I know we're playing against, playing the drug takers down at um, Windy, uh, Hill. Windy Hill. Uh, at midday on Saturday, so, yeah... Um, Please get your inoculations before you go down if you want to watch that game. Um, in other <laughs> that's a really bad one. In other news, um, your old mate, what's his name? Oh, I keep forgetting his name. Aaron Black. Billy uh, Jess for his name. He's in the development side for Werribee on the weekend, along with Baza Ray, Baron Ray. Jesus, that's pretty bad, Baron Black. No shit, but it gets worse. Um, <laughs> Will Fordham's also been named in the development side, as has Clark, but this is pending because the senior side for Werribee has Mountford Brown, Durden, Turner, Wagner, Wagner, whatever, Garner, Dorr, Nahas, Wood, Mullet, Hibbard, Mellon, McKenzie? Fuck, what? Oh, um, who else is named there? Oh, no, yeah, Fordham and Clark's on the bench for the seniors that will probably play, but... Um, I think, yeah, Farron Ray and um, Aaron Black, what the fuck? Seriously? Now, Phil, you would have seen probably Farron Ray at the training. Um, what are we doing with him? Uh, I'm, a, I'm okay with picking up Farron Ray. I mean, there, <laughs> there's probably not much in that rookie draft left. Yeah. And it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an experienced bike to play. He's going to give you a lot more than an 18-year-old project player if you need, like, especially because your team is going to be playing finals. You want someone who can come in and just do a job. He, but Farron Ray won't play for North Melbourne unless... Oh, you know, that's what I'm saying. Is as, yeah. as the depth. Yeah, yeah exactly. I've got, I've got no problem with the pick-up. And he seems like a, a really good guy and he seems like a good leader and he, he, he does... A, him and Dale spend a lot of time at training instructing other players. I think... I think how many games has Farron Ray played? Has he played two hundred AFL games? Like shit players don't play two hundred games. But no, in saying that, anyway. hopefully hopefully he doesn't get near wearing a North Melbourne jumper because hopefully we don't have any injuries. But um, I am I'm s i am I didn't know that Black was picked in the development squad. I think it's really disappointing because he played really well against Collingwood in that nab, nab game up at was it Wagga? Is that where they played the old Bang Rabbit or one of them? Wherever it was. I thought I thought Black Played really well, and he definitely outplayed Nate's best mate, Mason Wood. 
definitely. But um, your bits, mate. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know what? Like Wood, Black, Mackenzie. We'll just leave it with those three. Are that far away from playing senior football? It doesn't matter anyway. I mean, at the moment they're they're going to be relying on a spate of injuries, and hopefully we don't see them. To be honest with you. Well, last question on that, Aaron Blake, gone or staying? He's, he's gone unless something drastically changes. Yeah, definitely gone. I reckon he'll get delisted. I don't think he'll be in for list next year. He's stuffed up not going to Frio because they've got better targets now with McCarthy. Oh, I think I think he'll definitely get picked up. I, I, he won't get traded. North will delist him and someone will, someone will put him on a list. For sure. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, well, that's the thing, though. Like, what do you, uh, well, if you're playing development league as a bloke in their mid-20s, that's not a good sign. No, I totally agree. But if you had a look at his tape from 2013, 2013 or 14, one, I know, whichever mate. one it was, 13, people, someone, someone will pick him up just because of his pure ability, whether, whether that's gone away. I'm not saying he's going to go to West, West Coast and start, but so, someone, will, someone will pick him up for sure. Oh, well, that's all. Uh, moving on to the preview. So, hang on I think we let our Melbourne compatriot have a bit of a chat here. He's, he's been very yeah, good. Yeah, I uh, think <laughs> I will get into the questions as I did word you up with those in a second. But I just want to go through. Um, it says here in uh, Lyndon Dunn, Billy Stretch, Sam Frost. So, from... Frost Adelaide, will probably play defence this week, which, thank God, it's only taken them... 18 months for him on the list to figure out he's a defender. Fresh out of the Bachelorette, Jack Grimes and Wagner, twin of, yeah, I heard that, <laughs> out Brayshaw and <laughs> Colin Garland. Um, can you tell us why Colin Garland, apart from what I think? Oh, I, think, think? I think he's pretty symptomatic of why we've been shit for so long. Like It's going to sound really harsh, but I play like him being a leader of the club. I like. agree. That's, yeah, I wasn't saying anything. I was just letting you say it for me. Yeah, pretty much. Um, what else have we got here? Tom Bug, uh, do you rate him or would you suggest... Uh, I rate everything except his disposal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Another Tom thing Bug. that has come up recently is Bernie Vince is being nominated for the Spud. And I did tell you, tell you about the Kerridge Spuddies. It's like your version of the... I think you said the Kent Kingsley. So, Bernie Vince, would you suggest that's a laughable... The nomination for the Ken Kingsley or the um, Perry Award, Carriage Award. Oh, Bernie Vince got to be pretty bloody stiff, doesn't he? <laughs> That's very well, stiff. It is. But I, I thought it was a joke when about a handful of uh, North supporters started saying on the North board, but whatever. There a bunch Bernie, of Bernie, Vin- Bernie Vince is a is a B grade player who plays A grade football when playing well, as evidenced by like he's won two BNFs now at Adelaide and Melbourne. And he also has some average games. But for us, he's been quite good. Like, he finished third in the BNF, and then he won it the next year. Like, I can't criticise him at all. I think he's been great. you got to remember, he's on the wrong side of 30 now, so... And not the last time we played Melbourne, but the time before. Oh he, oh, he was good that he night. He had 46 and kicked three goals or yeah, something. Yeah, I remember, like, I've never, the guy, you remember he ran in on his left from about 45 and never looked like missing. It was a sun, Sunday Twilight game, from memory. He, uh... No, he can, Bernie Vince can play. I mean, he shouldn't be in the conversation for, for that little award. Maybe is, is Vandenberger, he, could we put him in for that award? Uh, well, I, I, I thought he was a good player, but his last coach, you know, against, you know, is his average. I think he's suffering from prison. He's, he's never going to be better than, like, an average C-grade player. So he could probably, he'd probably fit the criteria. But, like, I mean, my point with Vandenberg is he butchers the ball. And he just he has flying shots at goal and sometimes. Oh, his goal kicking is oh, it's terrible, and, isn't and it? And on this, the run. This is my point. But this this week he'll probably come out and kick four straight. Yeah, if he won, if he won those games, we just can't miss. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I I I agree completely. Like I, I rate what he brings to our side. He brings to it's Melbourne, tough, but man. I like him. But yeah, he's he's that type of player that like if we were really pushing to be a really good side, he'd get pushed out. They just because like you said, he butchers the ball. He does a lot of things right, but he butchers the ball. And just for, no, everyone, I think, for everyone playing at home, Ben Kennedy is eligible for the carriage <laughs> award because he's a jet. 
I think people, he's... people don't realise he's pretty young as well. He was drafted in 2012. It's not like people he's don't a care. On the, look, on, on the north board, it's like a case of oh, we don't know who the name is, so therefore they're a carriage, or in your case, a king. That's, that's, that's their criteria. Well, I can understand. Like, it, it, but it, it, I can. I'll be fair as well. Like, is is your own as, as like supporters of a club? Like, you look. It's pretty easy to look at the well. North supporters used to be notorious for this, and like Melbourne supporters are notorious for this. As you look at all young players, like oh, gun, 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 gun. It's like oh, it doesn't quite work out that way when you actually look at what the players bring to the side. But yeah. yeah no. um, on other ones, I was just looking at some other nominations um, for the the carries, the Spud, or the, the old Perry. Uh, oh, Lyndon Dunn could be if he plays forward this yeah, week. I could actually see that. If he plays forward this week, I could see him having a random game where he's three or four. Please. If, <laughs> if, if Lyndon Dunn goes forward and actually yeah. gets a kick, I'll... You know, oh, the one thing I will say in his defense, he is actually a very good kick of the ball. Yeah. So if he gets five touches, he might kick a couple of goals out of it, but he's got to get those well, five I, first. I, I hope he goes forward because... And I hope that... Thompson goes to Hogan just so Tarrant can go to Lyndon Dunn and bend him over and do really, really bad things to him. Well, didn't you sort of do that last year, though, when Thompson got mauled? Well, they're saying Thompson's going to... I mean, this this is probably better use of our time to talk about who's going to play on Hogan. I think I think it's got to be Tarrant. I thought so, too. Tarrant, he's a gun. He's, I can't believe how good he's become. He's, he's really very good. But I think... Who would Tarrant go to? I think the obvious matchup would be Tarrant to Hogan, Thompson to Watts. Yeah, yeah. Thompson would be really well suited to Watts too because what what shits me with a lot of things is as he shits all Melbourne supporters, but um, Tarrant's a great matchup because Watts like Tarrant. I know he sometimes gets out muscled. Is that a fair assessment? Like when I've seen he, him lose, who gets out muscled? Sorry, Tarrant. Thompson. Tom, sorry, not Tarrant. Thompson. Yeah, he and, gets and like. And what Thompson does, if he's getting out muscled, is he grabs onto an arm. What he like what he did against Shields last year against Port, and I think Shields got did Shields get four free kicks and kick four goals for Port last year on Thompson because he just kept grabbing on. I think I, I remember Shields getting a lot of frees that game, so I remember watching it. But yeah, no, I think I think Hogan's got to go to him. I, who were playing Garlett because he's actually been in reasonable form and he's always good for at least a couple of goals. He, he was actually very quiet last time we played you. Well, nice. I mean, would you would you compare his game to Betts? Because I I said that yeah, he, he's he's a lesser version of Betts. Pretty I much, said that like. Sam Wright all week. I was saying Sam Wright would play on Betts, and then he never went near him, and it was Scott Thompson on him the whole time. So, I mean, it shows what um, well, I don't know who. The, I think Luke McDonald's probably a good matchup for Garlett, or so Sam Wright. But I don't often get those things correct. Because like aside, like it's really like with our forwards, like Hogan and Garlett, uh, the majority of the goals. Dean Kent's on notice this week. I rate him as a half forward flanker, and he's I think he's his fourth season this year, so he's not exactly old. But How he tall was, is he? he was, Kent, he's very small. He's one of those guys that when he's playing, he's like the sort of pressure player. But like he, he's like he's like a uh, who was that shit player McWalter? But he can he's actually got good skills. That's yeah. what he's like. That he plays like that. But he, he's, a, he's a much more talented player than McWalter was. Hang on, did you just say he's, he's a half-forward flanker and his name, he's named here in what, in the forward pocket? Where does yeah. he naturally play? Where would you he play? Well, you, you want him high half-forward, running back onto the ball, because he's quick. I don't know well, if you guys know. Last year he played there, didn't he? Yeah, that's where he played. He'll play, he'll play, like, he'll play in the forward line. He might play high. He had a shocker against Essen and, like, that random bloke, McDonald. Tippin, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Tipping Woody. Yeah, it had so many possessions on him. And Kent's usually pretty good at, like, shutting down the other bloke, but he was crap. That's weird because Tipping Woody, even when I watched him in the VFL the last couple of years, is, um, barely makes it in the VFL. So I don't know. Anyway, I think it's just to do with the, um, the top-up players. Just to go back to my other question. Dunn, Pedersen, or Kent for the carriage? That's all I need, and then I just want an answer. What about Lumumba? Lumumba, oh, whatever his name is. Well, he's the obvious one, but... Kent, Dunn, or Pedo? What an unfortunate name. I think... Pedo. Will Pedo play? Yeah. Schmart, what do you reckon? Um, out, of, out of those, who's going to play? No, no, sorry, no. I the, had a bit of... Sorry, for the carriage, for the... Um, for the uh, I'm going to nominate Cam Pedersen against his old team. He hasn't yeah. played well this year, so get a rocket up him. And if we somehow pull off the impossible, I could see him slotting two or three, much to the... Frustration of the North fans. Well, yeah. He actually he, he went from Spud to reasonable player, but I think he's gone back to Spud now. Yeah, he was playing quite well for you guys for a while yeah. there. And actually, geez, that was a surprise even for me. And I thought, geez, he's, um, 
He's a beautiful oh, mark. He's such a good yeah. mark. Like, even though he's not super tall, he's got beautiful hands, but he's goal-kicking and just doesn't get enough of the pill. Like, I think, honestly, I think he's gone at the end of the year. He's just, you know, when they just look slow, like you're just starting to notice, he's looking real like slow. Got him, uh, you're going, yeah, you know yeah. he's had it. Um, on, on the last one, while I get you, um, the seven-name on the interchange bench, who do you think might be the three outs? Oh, shit. Hold on. I, made, I made a post about this on our board just before. I don't know. I'll just, so while you're looking for that, I might just um, ask the other guys. But also, while I'm saying, so if it's as listed, it's um, Clayton Oliver, Lyndon Dunn, Billy Stretch, Sam Frost, Cam Pedersen, Jack Grimes, and Wagner or Wagner, what do you want to say? Three and he, he's pretty much guaranteed to debut as well. Because he's he upgraded up. from the looky list, yeah. So he's, yeah. He, he, you'd imagine he comes straight to the side. I think I had the three that went out. Hold on, where is it? Just find my post. Was, just, while you're looking for that, was he upgraded because you've got someone on the long-term injury list? Or no, I don't know why. Like, I don't think we have anyone on the long-term injury list at the moment. Maybe Ben Newton? I think he might. But I thought he was recovering. I thought he was retired. Ben Newton. <laughs> he's a, he's one of those. He, we've replaced we re, we've replaced our Rowan Bales and our Dan Nicholsons with the likes of Newton. So like so he's gone from about a H grade to about a G and a half grade like depth player. But um, no, I think I had I had Grimes, Oliver, and Pedersen as our three emergencies. I think Pedersen will go out this week. I think Oliver looked pretty tired last week. Like it, fair enough. He's only a kid. He's, you think Oliver will miss? Yeah, I don't think he'll play. I, I, nothing wrong with him. He's just, like, last week after the first quarter, he dropped off a lot. And, like, he's obviously... he's a, He's got a lot of talent. Like, I'm really happy. He's one, you know, those players that come in with the hunger for the contest, sort of like Luke McDonald did early on. Yeah. He just looks natural, but, no, he's still, like... He, his body shape still needs some work. That's pretty obvious. Can so I just ask, up quickly, up the other end, who who are your matchups for... Wait, Petrie, Brown. Well, that's. I think Frost is going to come in, and I would play Tom McDonald on Brown, even though Brown's got the reach that hurts McDonald. Donald McDonald struggles against body players, and Brown's more of a guy mm. in the lead. Yep. So even though like yep. he's got that huge reach advantage, which McDonald struggled with the other week, I think McDonald goes to him. I think Frost probably comes in and plays on. Because um, I'm saying if I've got. I haven't got... Yeah, so i got Dunn and Frost coming in. So Dunn will play, I'd imagine, on Petrie, and Frost is suited to wait. I think Frost is... I don't think he's that good a footballer, but he's very athletic, and that'll suit against Wait. and he's a pretty big bloke too. Wait would burn Dunn. He'd be too mobile for him, but Petrie should, should suit Dunn pretty well. Not saying um, you beat him, but that's the best matchups we can do, I think. Funny you mention that. I will have a question on uh, Petrie for everyone after this, but um, while I've got you all... For everyone on the panel, um, just a couple of key matchups, not necessarily key forwards or defenders, but anything. Where's the game going to be won and lost? Um, just give me a couple, and then hopefully we can wrap this up soonish. Oh yeah, we've got to get to the questions after that. So yeah, fire away. Again, uh, as last week, it's a midfield battle. Um, a lot of inside mids against a lot of other inside mids. Uh, there'll be some battles in the midfield. Another one mentioned earlier I'm looking forward to is Robbie Tarrant, seeing how uh, Jesse Hogan can respond to his criticism during the week. Uh, yeah, we've had we've had uh, Ducks help this week, so I'm not sure about the timing. But I did see that today, yeah. <laughs> we'll see how uh, loyal to North Duck is, really, I guess, <laughs> depending on how he kicks this week. Um... Uh, Jack Watts is uh, another potential one. He could have a really good game on. Like Sam Carey, Jawad. He is, but every now and then he pops up and has a really good I've, game. I've actually, so. I've, I've, I sometimes stalk the North board as I do with some club boards. I've often seen North posters saying they wouldn't mind Jack Watts in their side, which I find interesting. Yeah, I'd take that. quite a few of the regular posters that have said that. I'd take it. I think he's one of those players that would benefit from being in a better oh, he, team. He'd look real good at North. Because you've got all the tools that take the pressure on him, off him. Yeah, it's just a better version of Mason Wood. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hope he's not listening to that, um, Philly. Uh, oh god, I can't believe that. Um, interchange bench for North Melbourne. Do you think that's going? Who do you think the three outs are going to be? Uh, do you think that's going to change at all? And of course, the late changes which we know is going to happen. I, I will, the three outs, I think, are reasonably obvious. I think it'll be Hanson, Dumont. And mullet. 
as far right. as late changes go, I mean, who knows? I, I, I don't, no, no one stands out as an obvious late change. Um, I, I, like Chris said, I think it's a, it's a real midfield thing. I think it's going to be Wells, Cunnington, Swallow and Zeeble up against Tyson, Vince, Jones and Viney. And I think that Wells is the point of difference out of all of those guys because he, just of his pure class. So if he can deliver the ball well, to, I mean, the other thing we haven't talked about is the conditions. Apparently it's going to be rainy, windy and shit. So uh, really? in saying that, does, do we, if we all think back to probably the best game Wells has played that I can remember in the last couple of years was that game up in Sydney when we beat them surprisingly up there and it was wet and shit and Wells was the best player on the ground and it wasn't close at all. So I, I think he's... His class is class no matter what the weather's like. So I'm really looking forward to, to him having a cracking game. Um, I don't know who Ben Jacobs is going to tag, but obviously he'll tag someone because that's all he can do at the moment. So he, he I mean, last week he, he had his back to the ball and was running away from the ball. Surely he's going so, yeah, so, so yeah, to One particular play in the last quarter where he could have run yeah, at the ball. Not to, I mean, that's okay. He's got a mandate and he's got a job to do. So... To, he probably goes. To, he went to Nathan Jones last year and shut him down. So yeah, oh, he, he smashed Jones last year. Jones yeah. was playing under us, but he smashed him. Yeah, well, I, I think it's it's probably the, who he'll go to again. And if he if he does what he did to Rich last week to Jones, then it'll go a long way to us winning it comfortably. I think. Prediction by how many? Obviously, it's North Melbourne, but by how many would you suggest? Uh, I would hope that we win by more than forty points because we've got to start getting some percentage while we're uh, while we're winning because our draw our draw gets really hard after round 10 and if we want to I mean I, I think we can finish top four and I think top two is the new top four you've got to finish top two if you're going to be around there and you, you want to have designs on, on winning a premiership you you got to make hay while the sun shines and that's now we need a big win and I know the conditions won't be great and Melbourne are going to come out firing I think it'll be close at half time but We've uh, got to put the foot down and stomp on some days. That's it. We we just can't let up like we we do. We've got to have it of letting teams back in. We just got to keep pressure on the entire game. And I mean, the the ruck battle is going to be interesting too because I think all of the wider AFL community have got a hard on for Max Gorn because he's got a beard. But Goldie's <laughs> Goldie's the, the premier ruckman in the league. And oh, I don't think you'll find anyone debating that. I think no, no, I, I agree. Yeah, but but I think who. A couple. I heard a couple say that they think Gornell is the heir apparent, and that he'll he'll take over by the end of the year. I just, I, I would like to see Goldie take that a little bit personally. And uh, after last week, he, he, he just didn't really. It was it was an un Goldie like game. Um, I'd almost sound like I said the Goldie locks then, but I, I assure you that I didn't. I think it, it's important that Goldie has a has a big game this week because he'll play against Sandy the following week, and um, that's just. Get ready for that by smashing Gorn this week. Cool. Um, thoughts, Schmuck? Give me something on the game, please. Uh, I feel like North of Fair Dinkum, they'll win by a fair bit. It's gonna it's gonna depend a lot on the start. If the if we start well, we're a decent chance. But if North start well, they could you guys could you could be looking at a huge win. So I think, like, it really depends on how Melbourne respond. I think it's season, not season-defining for Melbourne. Our games after this are season-defining, because I expect us to be going pretty close in those games. But against North, like, we really need to put in a good show, because there's going to be a lot of heat on if we come out and put in. Like, last week, I don't know if you guys watched the game, but we were terrible. Like, we came out and we thought we were just going to roll over them. It was obvious from, like, really early on in the game that a club that's been so shit for so long thought it could come out and just roll over Essendon and like I would have thought especially against Essendon after all the times we've rolled them when we've been crap yeah so no it was a pretty poor game for us well, that's, I th- this is where it gets scary is because what, and just to interrupt you is what you're saying I think it actually will be close there have been some games where Melbourne have got the jump on North in the past the Bulldogs have done the same thing on North Melbourne to begin with it's almost like North have been very slow starters for so many games against particular we'll call them bogey teams to begin with and then rolled through them um, the Gold Coast has been one particular one down at Eddie had that that was as Brad Scott would call that was an aberration um, the that's the scary thing coming off a loss to Essendon and especially considering the 
the situation they find themselves in. Being it's against replacement players, given the the crap that Hogan has copped and Paul Ruse has copped and pretty much the entire Melbourne Football Club has copped in, in the media last what, couple of days, even the last month. Well, the, the oh, thing, the thing, a lot of us was looking at for some encouragement was last year when we had that terrible loss against St Kilda. Um, we came out and rolled Geelong down Geelong the next game, so it's pretty unlikely we're going to come out and play that well again. But we're hoping for a response like that. We seem to, we being North Melbourne, seem to have an issue with every single time we lose. It's always the week after a team has been um, either belted in the media, belted on the ground, both or. Um, something other has happened and it's almost like shit we've been on the receiving end of whatever nastiness they want to dish out whether it be the Gold Coast whether it be um, GWS giving us a scare one year whether it be um, fucking nearly getting done over by Essendon in a final and me sitting there going oh shit you know half time we've lost this a couple of years ago in an elimination final but thank god you won that that was yeah. my fault because of the training incident though. <laughs> oh that was the uh, Still waiting. Think, yeah, right. I, well, <laughs> that's a couple of years back now. Yeah. So going back to what you said, Schmuck, Yeah, stranger things have happened. This is the world of the footy. And um, I, last week I went from was it eight out of nine tips to only getting four out of nine correct this week. And I was one of the few that actually tipped Hawthorne. So I don't know what the fuck's going on. It's just been it, 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 it's, it all comes down to how North start. You start well. I can't see it's coming. I could see us being competitive if you start well and say losing by under five goals, but. If we're any chance, we have to come out in the first quarter and be a couple of goals up at quarter time, or be even at least, just be in the game. Because I always find in upset games, it's like the longer you're in the game, you can feel the upset more and more. And I think the players feel that as well. And I think North would feel that too. Well, you guys have been upset a fair bit in the past few years. You're good at winning the games that are 50-50 and then you lose to the bad teams. But you know you can feel the upset coming the longer it gets competitive for. Like, and the players can really feel that too. We have to have been at a three-quarter time. That almost sounds like you're sort of you're talking yourself into into failure. You're almost like you're saying, "Oh shit, we're going to lose. We're going to lose. Oh look, it's coming. We're now with loss." No, but that, that's how a lot of our wins go, though. All right. That's how. And I, I, I like I, you. I watch us play, and like the longer we're competitive for, like it's Jared Waitley once said, you can feel them saying, "Which is terrible, I know, because we've been so shit for so long." But I think upsets in general, not just us, it tends to but happen like that. You guys wouldn't know because you've been actually been pretty good for the past few years, but. When you're a poor yeah, side, perhaps. you can feel it coming. Yeah. Well, we have, like we said, we haven't really been there for a couple of years, so it, it is hard for us to sort of to empathise or sympathise with you with on that. But um, I think it was many years ago that we were in that sort of same situation. Even going back to a couple of years ago when we'd be up by 30, 40 points at a quarter time and then get steamrolled by 60, 80, 100 points. And we're only talking three years ago. So things can turn miraculous or just massively. But away from that. I'll just go through a few questions and then we'll probably finish up. I know I've been saying that for the last fucking half an hour. Um, a question for all of you, and actually Shmud in particular. Um, this is from Jay-Z. I've only got a few questions tonight. Opposition teams rate um, Petrie as the number one go-to uh, key forward. Who is our number one full forward and why? And go. Wait, he kicks the most goals. He's the most threatening player. It's got to be, doesn't it? Yeah, but do you put your your number one defender on him, or does he go to Petrie? I know we probably covered this earlier, but uh, depends on the depends on the matchup as well. Depends on the matchup. Like this week, I probably I consider a number one defender. Like it's probably Tom McDonald, but Tom McDonald, I don't think I wouldn't put on Petrie because I don't think he's got a good matchup. Okay. Um, Quiv and Philly, what do you think about that? Um, Petrie number one or someone else? You go, Quiv. Oh, I think Petrie's still number one. Um, he, when he's on, he's he's on. He's near unstoppable. Uh, weight is too inconsistent to be considered number one forward uh, in our forward line. I think that's just my opinion. I agree. I think I think Petrie's still the number one. He's, he got he got Taylor in round one, and he he got. Did he have merit? Did he have merit in round two? Yeah, yeah. he had merit. Yeah. And I think this week, I, I, I believe what our friend from Melbourne says, but I think McDonald goes to Petrie. I still, I do. I mean, I think Petrie's the the most important player in that forward line. Wake gets on the end a few and kicks some goals, but 
I think Petrie structure-wise and Petrie's still the leader down there. He's he's in charge. He's he's on pointing traffic where to go. It also depends who plays for Melbourne as well because we've got Dunn and Frost who can both, and even more Pedersen play back, but I prefer not. So it like depends who comes in out of Dunn and Frost as well. So it's sort of yeah. just a, I'm guesstimating a bit until I see the final team, then I could probably tell you it. But yeah, I agree with what you're yeah. saying. Though. I think McDonald could definitely go to Petrie. Depends. Like, has Drew been playing deep or a bit further up the ground? Petrie, Petri, in a lot of times, Brown and Wade have been leading right out, and Petrie's been sitting back mm. one on three, and they've been bombing it into him, and he's been bringing it to ground for Higgins and others running past. So, I think, yeah, I think that's why McDonald will go to him, just because he's a bit more of a. He's, he, he's probably your strongest. Would you say he's your strongest defender? Oh, Dunn, Dunn plays Dunn strong. Dunn's about 105 kg. It's like. I was down there last year when he smashed Hawkins down at Geelong. Like, he's good at playing on the wrestling plays. He's slow. Because I remember last year we had him on Brown, and Brown was killing him because Brown's really quick for his size, and he leads really well. Mm. Um, next question from Mutley45. Um, this is probably more for you, Schmutt, but the other guys can sort of chime in here. Should Ross... Sorry, should not Ross Lyon. Should Paul Ruse... <laughs> Same <laughs> what thing, a pretty much. <laughs> should he hand over the good one immediately? Well, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Like, I thought if they were going to do it, they should have done it probably at the start of the year or over the preseason. Like, everyone everyone loves, like, David King loves to puff his chest out and tell us how Paul Roos concedes more goals in the third minute of the fourth quarter than any other coach and Goodwin should take over. But you can't, you can't do it now. Like, too much instability. Like, because when you're a crap club and you're trying to work so hard to make the club stable off the field, like having mate forcing the handover now just wouldn't work. Because I don't think Ruse would hand it over now. He'd he'd want to see out the contract, and like it would just. I think it would be a bad look. I don't, like yeah, I do agree. Probably we we did, I thought we played better football under Goodwin Nab Cup, and I think it's changed since Ruse has taken back over. Like significantly changed, which is a bit disappointing. Because I think in the DWS in the last quarter, Paul was like, "Oh shit, Simon, we better use your game plan because we've kicked five goals for the game." The only thing with that is, in the NAB Cup, you were playing against other teams. Oh, that's that's true. That's true. Like you, that we're the, playing in the, the effort Cup. factor. Yeah, no, I understand that, and we took it a lot more seriously. But there's still there's a marked difference in the football. Like you can tell. Like we just we've lost all our structure. I don't know what happened. Like we we were playing with an eight man forward line, and then just bombing it in. And Essendon had about a million blokes back there, and then we didn't want to chase, and they went the other way. So, I don't know. We've got some real issues with our structure going forward. Though, and that's why I can see, like, if we... Because it's normally pretty windy down there, isn't it, Tazzy? Oh, I can see us yeah. kicking about five goals for the day, to be well, honest. Like, Actually, was the last time we played down in Hobart, it was that gale force wind. When you kicked into the wind, it would go back over your head, just like the old days. Yeah, it gets well, cast. Yeah, I mean, this, this fucking this bullshit that a lot of other clubs seem to think that um, North Melbourne just cannot play in the weather. For that many years, we have been able to play in... Pathetic conditions, whether it be rain, wind, hail, whatever, down there. I don't, I don't think North can. Who thinks that? I think the Bathwater Bulldogs might have issues when the weather's not perfect over under the dome. Oh, but I, don't I, think I think North. I'm sort of more referring to Collingwood supporters who still live in 2007 and think that that's the year that we are when they're re- referring to uh, North Melbourne and not being able to play in the um, the outdoor conditions away oh, from. Okay. Yeah, no, I remember. Yeah, yeah. That, that's sort of aimed at a, a few people in particular. But um, no, I think we're a good chance. Um, that's what I was sort of saying earlier when Philly mentioned the weather. And I thought, oh, shit, that's even that's a bit more of a that's a couple what? more goals for us. I don't think the weather's going to be that bad. Like I, I'm just looking, I just looked it up. Assuming it is, they're talking. They're saying that yeah. there's a seventy percent chance of rain, but they're only going to get less than one mil. So that's nothing to worry about yeah. at all. I would there's, think rain would probably help Melbourne more than hinder. It just depends on the wind, though. And they're I, saying wind is thirty-four kilometres. So that's nothing, mate. I mean, it's... Oh, that's over. That's nothing, mate. That's just it's a, windy, but it's not like fucking batting down the hatches. It'll be okay. Um, Jesse Hogan. Um, attitude speed up in the video. Uh, a bit of both. He's, it's pretty clear he's got a sub sort but I find it ridiculous how much the media's laid into him. Like, I'm just going to have a real quick rant. I think the media in general is a bit too obsessed with him. Like, I... I almost feel like they want him to leave because it would be such a big story. And, like, I'm not even... I don't even bother talking about the contract thing because I see it two ways. If he's not signed this time next year, he's probably gone. No point talking about it now. And if we get better, he'll stay. We've got to get better. But it's like they're so obsessed with him at the moment. Like, that goal-kicking thing. He's kicked 4-1 this year. 
he's played shit, but it's not like he's goalkeeping. It's a problem in the real season. Like, the media just love to jump on him for some reason. I don't know what it is with forwards, but I'm not denying he's a bit of a sook on the field and he's got to stop it. But he's 21 years old. Like, it's not like he's a 150-game player who's still cracking the shits or like a Jack Watts who's still never fulfilled his potential. He's about 130 games in now. Like, I think they've been a little bit rough on him. He's, he's got problems, but you've got every man and his dog chipping in with Lloydy, like... Don't know what Lloydie's talking about, yeah. Mister Stager, and then like lining up Saul off the line. Like, I mean, and J- Jack, and they're certainly yeah. not helping the problem by pointing it Jack out. Like that. had massive soot problems, and he probably he's, still does to me, yeah, to an extent. Yeah, yeah. but but he's a oh yeah, he's a gun. He's a, he's a, a oh yeah, like that's that's what I don't understand. Like it's the I, the one thing I will say, Dermot made a good point. Is like he, he's never been beaten or out wrestled. Sure, no, no, sure I'm, no, no, I'm saying. Yeah, it took him about 15 minutes to get to it. I was listening to it. Okay, guys, I think we should wind this up. Nate's just uh, dropped out and sent me a message, and considering his hosting skills lack, as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to take over and say thanks very much to our Melbourne guest. He's been really good. And thanks, Quiv, and best of luck to everyone, but hopefully we win by 40-plus. Go number four. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, guys. Right, See thanks ya. for coming on, guys. Peace.